If you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Proverbs, please. Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. God willing, we'll be expounding verse 22 tonight. Tile of the message tonight is the blessing of the Lord. Have a healthy online presence tonight, and it's good to see you all tonight. Every verse in God's Word is a powerful living treasure. But there are some verses, like the stars in heaven, that shine a little more bright than the other verses do. I'm sure a lot of you all have favorite verses. Well, Proverbs 10.22 is one of those verses that shines exceeding bright. It's a foundational verse, and the truths that it contains transcends the particular sentence that contains it. The truth is applied across all of Scripture. There's so many applications that you can uh, apply this verse to. And for this reason, I believe this verse should be committed to our memories. If this verse, if you have it in your mind and you understand it, it can actually rescue your mind in times of temptation and trouble. It's good to have verses like that, isn't it? The Holy Spirit now directs our attention to, if you'll look here in verse 22, He directs our attention to the blessing of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord. Now here's something about blessing. You get blessed by someone over you, someone higher than you, someone greater than you. Blessing always trickles down. Blessing never goes up. Hebrews 7, 7 says, And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. When Jacob wrestled with the angel... The angel wasn't trying to get Jacob to bless him. Jacob was trying to get blessed by the angel. Why? The less is blessed by the better. Man doesn't bless God. God blesses man. So the blessing of the Lord is not talking about us blessing the Lord. It's talking about the Lord blessing us. Yes, there are times in the Bible where you will see someone say, blessed be the Most High God, or blessed be the Lord, or something like that. But when you see people blessing God in the Bible, they are not giving God a blessing. They are giving thanks to God for a blessing they received. Make sense? Let me give you an example. Psalms 103, verse 2 through 4. Psalm 103, verse 2 through 4. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. You see what's happening? He's blessing God for the benefits or the blessings that we receive. He goes on to say, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. So it's a, 
an acknowledgement of God's blessing when man blesses the Lord. It's not man actually granting God a blessing. Who could do that? The Hebrew word translated blessing literally means to stoop down because blessings are handed down to us from the Most High God. And Solomon calls it here the blessing of the Lord. Why? It belongs to God. It's unique to God. Blessing, true blessing, comes from the Lord. Yes, there are times when people can be a blessing to us. Ultimately, that is from the Lord. But, uh, but there's a difference between the blessing of the Lord that Solomon is referring to tonight and blessing in general in the sense of, uh, of, of uh, benefits that we receive or someone doing a favor for us or something like that or something that we enjoy that could be considered a blessing. Oh, that was such a blessing, you know, we, we would say. Uh, but the blessing of the Lord that Solomon is talking about tonight in this verse is a pure heavenly blessing that originates with God and does not originate here on earth. It originates with God and does not originate here on earth. This world is a fallen world. We are sinful people. And the blessing of the Lord is not tainted with our sinful flesh. Let me give you an illustration. Last Sunday, my wife made some homemade peach cobbler for our church lunch. And I am a very finicky eater. I rarely ever see me go to the dessert table. And, uh, and it, it's got to be like super low sugar, and it's got to be whole wheat flour and all this healthy stuff, or I'm not going to touch it. And my wife made it that way. And when I saw it at the house, I thought, how sweet. My wife made me a cobbler. Then I remembered it's the first Sunday of the month. And she made it for the church lunch. So I had to wait. But she was sweet. She went and dipped me some out, and she brought some to me. And as and sweet as she always is. And when the meal was over, there was a little bit of cobbler left. And I know that that cobbler could have been a blessing to somebody. And if someone would have come over to me and said, Brother Richard, I sure enjoyed your wife's cobbler. And I noticed there's a little bit left over there. It would be such a blessing to me if I could take what's left over home with me. And if someone would have done that to me, I would have jumped up. I would have grabbed that cobbler. I would have fixed them something uh, to go in, uh, you know, in it for them, and I would have sent them home, and I would have felt good about being a blessing to that person. I really would have. But not very far back in my mind, I would have been thinking about how I wish I was the one taking that cobbler home. That's the truth. I thought, well, at least Brother Shepherd's getting to take it home. I'm glad to be a blessing. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, man, I was looking forward to that cobbler today. The blessing of the Lord's not like that. It's, it doesn't originate in the heart of man. It doesn't originate here on earth. It's pure. It's perfect. It's holy. 
The blessing of man is nice to have, but it is not to be compared to the blessing of the Lord. And we're going to see why. Unlike the blessing of man, Solomon said the blessing of the Lord, look back in your text, it maketh rich. It maketh rich. If you're taking notes here, the Hebrew word rich has the idea of addition. Write down addition in your margin of your Bible or in your notes or accumulation. It's the same principle. That's what this definition means in Hebrew. Why is that so important to us tonight? To understand that the blessing of the Lord, it makes rich, it is an addition, it makes an accumulation. It's because one of the unique attributes of the blessing of the Lord is that it adds to what you already have. When my wife made that cobbler, it was a blessing to me. But it wasn't the blessing of the Lord that Solomon is teaching us about tonight. You see, for my wife and I to be able to enjoy the blessing of that cobbler, we both had to give something in exchange for it. My wife had to give her time in the kitchen. My wife had to spend her energy in the kitchen. I had to take money and put into my wife's budget to go buy the flour at the grocery store. We both gave something in exchange for that blessing. You see, it was not an addition, it was a trade-off. And there's a very big difference there. The cobbler wasn't an added treasure, it was an exchanged treasure. It may have tasted rich, but it did not make us any richer than what we already were. Make sense? Here's a kingdom truth for you tonight. The blessing of the Lord is not given in exchange for anything. It is given in addition to everything. The blessing of the Lord is not given in exchange for anything. It's given in addition to everything. It makes rich. It adds. It accumulates. You cannot work for the blessing of the Lord. You cannot buy the blessing of the Lord. You cannot barter for the blessing of the Lord. If the blessing of, comes to you at, at a cost, then it is not the blessing of the Lord, because the blessing of the Lord makes rich. The very first time, y'all ready for a blessing? Learning about the blessing of the Lord? Here you go. The very first time, you see this word, this Hebrew word translated blessing here, is in Genesis chapter 12. The very first time this word used, and it's where God told Abraham, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a what? Say it with me. Blessing. Now, who's going to be blessing Abraham? Who's going to be making Abraham's name great? Who's going to be making Abraham a blessing? The Lord is. He says, I will bless you. Now, there's a blessing that originated in heaven. There's a blessing that did not originate with man. In fact, for God to bless Abraham and for God to make Abraham a blessing, 
God had to show Abraham, it has nothing to do with you. This blessing has nothing to do with you. He had to make Abraham go into a deep sleep. He had to pass through those pieces as a burning lamp <laughs> and a smoking furnace. While Abraham was in a deep sleep, he had to wait till Abraham got so old and his wife got so old they couldn't have any children before they could have some. That's the way God did. Because it was all the Lord's blessing. God said, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. That's talking about the promised Savior. <clears throat> if you've been through the Genesis of Jesus, you know that quite well by now. That's the blessing of the Lord. And what God was describing to Abraham concerning this blessing was none other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Through the promised Savior, God said He was going to bless all the families of the earth through Abraham. Understand then that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the blessing of the Lord. That makes rich. And that means that the gospel cannot be bartered. The gospel can never be given to man in exchange for anything else. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. It is an accumulation. It is never given in exchange for anything. It is always given in addition to everything. The gospel of Jesus Christ makes rich. It comes at no expense to us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Not your energy, not your time, not your devotion, not your faith, not anything to do with you. There is nothing about you that you can give in exchange for the blessing of the Lord that was given to you through Abraham in the person of Jesus Christ. He says, not of works, lest any man should boast. Solomon says, God's blessing makes rich, look back in your text, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Man, this is good stuff, folks. He, not only does it make rich, not only is it an accumulation, it's not exchanged, it is added. In this addition, God adds no sorrow with it. Anytime God has this blessing of the Lord, you can know, without a doubt, two attributes. Number one, it is never given in exchange. It's always added. It makes rich. Number two, God never adds sorrow to His blessing. Why is that so important? There are no add-ons to the gospel. He addeth no sorrow with it. If you have your Bibles out, underscore the word addeth. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, can come at no cost to you, and God adds no sorrow with it. And we're going to understand that here in just a minute. People say, well, I know the Bible says salvation is a gift, but they're, just, they're about to add. They're about to add something to it. They're about to add sorrow to it. 
when a person says they're about to add something on to the gospel, you better look out. When they say, well, I know it's all about what Jesus did, but you better look out. There's no buts to it. The devil wants people to think that there's some hidden clause in the gospel. Now, Brother Shepherd knows this very well. When you're looking at law, you can get a law out, you can read this particular law, this statute, and it seems so abundantly clear. And the police officer can say, ah, he broke that law. I've got him dead to rights. But you've got to keep reading, don't you, Brother Shepherd? You've got to keep reading. This subsection here, this here, down here, these, this fine print, so to speak, in the law, and you find, ah, there's an exemption. Happens all the time. But not with the gospel. There, there's no fine print with the gospel. There's no hidden clauses. The devil wants people to think that they're going to stand before God having put their faith in what Jesus has done for them on the cross. And then God's going to look at them with them fully expecting to enter into heaven. God's going to say, oh, well. Now, Tanya, you, you didn't read the fine print. You see in subsection A, paragraph 2 down here. It says right here, down here in the book of Hezekiah, chapter 34. There is no book of Hezekiah. And, it, and you get down here, this little, you see this little verse right here, you missed this. Had you been reading your Bible more, you would have seen you needed to do this too, to go to heaven. Depart from me, ye worker of iniquity. It doesn't work like that. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. It's, there's nothing you can give in exchange for it. It is the gift of God. It's not, it, it, is, it, it is for by grace, you're saying, that not of yourselves. And so, and then he adds no sorrow to it. There are no add-ons to the gospel. Now, the sorrow here is very important that we understand what he's talking about. The blessing of Abraham makes rich, and God adds on no sorrow. Did God charge Abraham anything for the lamb that took Isaac's place? It just showed up. God didn't have that, that lamb there, and Abraham said, Well, God, how much do I owe you for that lamb? It didn't work that way. Man, that thing's heavy. I'm going to have to... Whew. didn't work that way. It just showed up. It was free. It was provided by God. God will provide Himself a lamb, Abraham said. God provided that lamb to taste Isaac's place, and Isaac went free. The lamb God provided for Isaac didn't cost him anything. Neither did the lamb God provided for us. There are no add-ons to the gospel message. He adds no sorrow with the blessing he gives. Now, remember I told you, understanding what this word sorrow means is huge. The, the, the Hebrew word for sorrow here, I, have, I get excited about this. We're not talking about sorrow in the sense of, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. We're not talking about sorrow in the sense of being in a bad mood. We're not talking about sorrow in the sense of even being sad or sorry. The sorrow here is a specific 
type of sorrow. Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. The very first time you see this word sorrow, you're going to get some context, and you're going to know what Solomon is speaking about here. It's when God told Eve, after they sinned, because prior to the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, there was no sorrow. And God said to Eve, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, or thy sorrow in thy conception. He says, in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. Now, Eve was all, always supposed to bring forth children. Adam was always supposed to work. But Adam was not supposed to work in sorrow. Eve was not supposed to give children in sorrow. It was not supposed to be a painful event. The Hebrew word translated sorrow here, it means toil. It means labor. That's the sorrow that God is speaking about here. That is the sorrow that Solomon is speaking about here in Proverbs chapter 10. The word sorrow means toil in the Hebrew. That's why it means labor in the Hebrew. That's why when a woman has a child, she goes into what? Labor. There's work involved. My daughter recently was blessed with the new baby. But that blessing cost my daughter something. Sorrow was added to that blessing. That's not the blessing of the Lord that Solomon's talking about here. Sin brought sorrow into that situation. She toiled, she labored in pain to bring forth that child. A woman must give something in exchange for her child. Right, Sister Elizabeth? You give something in exchange for yourself. Child, a woman must give up her comfort. A woman must give up her rest. A woman must give up her energy and her strength. Some women must give up their lives to have their children. But to receive the blessing of Abraham, we give up nothing. Nothing. We give up the same thing Isaac gave up to have the lamb take his place. Nothing. That not of yourself. What of Isaac was left on that altar? Nothing was left on that altar. Only the lamb that died in Isaac's place. The only thing the gospel takes away from us is sin. And sin takes away everything. The gospel makes rich Sin steals, kills, and destroys. The devil wants people to think that one day they will have to stand before God and God will say, I know you trust in Jesus as your Savior, but you missed this part or that part, and that's wrong. If you must give something for it, then it is not the blessing of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and the Lord adds no sorrow. He adds no toil. He adds no labor, no burden with the gospel. In fact, in order to have the gospel, you have to give up any burden, labor, or toil to get it. Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden and weary. I will give you what? Rest. I'll do the work. You get the rest. Isn't that wonderful? Why? The blessing of the Lord makes rich. He has no toil with it. No labor with it. 
If any gospel adds this sorrow, this labor, this toil, it's a false gospel. It's not the blessing of the Lord. So let's think about our verse and we'll close. The blessing of the Lord, it makes rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. You say, Brother Richard, what about those verses that Jesus talks like you have to give up things to be able to be his disciple? If you don't hate your mother and your brother and your sister, and if you don't lose your own life and all those things, you're not worthy to be my disciple. What about giving up those things? You're not understanding what Jesus is talking about. Today we had uh, we had uh, a pretty big court case today where I work. Ten million dollars were involved. Ten million dollars. The government is trying to get out of a, a, a business filing bankruptcy. Ten million dollars. That's quite a bit. Almost what a preacher makes. Now, what if I told you, Brother Jeff, what if I told you, what if you were in bankruptcy? What if you were in debt? And I told you I was going to give you $10 million. Would you all agree that in order to get that $10 million and me give him a blessing and make him rich, would you all agree that he would have to give up his poverty in order for me to make him rich? You can't be poor and rich at the same time. So is that really costing him something? No. When Jesus says you have to give these things up, he's talking about our identity in this life. When we're born into this world, we are born impoverished, bondaged people. And everything about this world system is going to steal, kill, and destroy us. Sin and death will consume us. We will perish and not have everlasting life. So in order for Jesus to give us everlasting life, in order for him to make us rich in the world to come, we've got to give up the poverty in the world that now is. We have to be willing to say, yes, I do not want to belong to the kingdom of this world and to its bondage of sin and death. I want to be a citizen of the kingdom to come. Because no man can serve two masters. You can't be poor and rich at the same time. You can't be dead and live forever at the same time. You can't embrace that which seeks to destroy you and that which seeks to deliver you at the same time. So when Jesus asks or, or demands or, or says that he requires us to give something up, it's all the same as me telling Jeff, in order for you to get this money and make you, make you rich, you must be willing to give up your poverty. And if he says, oh no, well I love my poverty, then he can't have my riches. It's all the same. It just depends on how you look at this world. And a person who repents 
That means their mind changes and they look at this world and they realize this world is flat broke. And the only true wealth, the only true riches I can really receive is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They give up one, they receive the other. They don't... It adds no sorrow with it. In the book of Genesis, and we'll close with this, in the book of Genesis is where we first see that word sorrow. When sin caused sorrow to be added to the human experience. But when you get to the last book of the Bible, you know what happens when Jesus comes? The blessing of the Lord overcomes the curse of man. And guess what happens to the sorrow when the blessing of the Lord overcomes the curse of man? There's no more sorrow. Now the people who die in their sin, all they'll have is sorrow. All they'll have is toil. Because the last book of the Bible says, they have no rest day nor night. But us, all we'll have is rest. There'll be no sorrow. Because the former things are passed away and God will wipe all tears from our eyes. Because that's all that will be left over is the blessing of the Lord. And we'll be rich in Jesus Christ. Rich toward God. With that, we'll go ahead and close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this very distinguished verse in the Bible. A very powerful verse, Lord, that shines brightly in the Scriptures and illuminates, Father, many things for us. Thank you, Lord, that way back in the book of Genesis, Lord, when you said you would, the, the son of, uh, the, 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 the deliverer through the seed of the woman, Father, would bruise the serpent's head, you were referencing the blessing of the Lord that overcomes the curse of man. I thank you, Father, Lord, that the blessing makes us rich. And I thank you, Lord, that you don't add sorrow to it like you did to Eve's labor, Eve's childbearing, Adam's work. I thank you that you give us a blessing, Father, that we can truly, truly rest in Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There's nothing we can give in exchange for this blessing. For what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Only Jesus could purchase such a wonderful gift. It's his name we pray and we thank you. Amen.